Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is taken from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening session of Monday the 16th of February 2009, entitled, A Little Thing That Makes a Big Difference. And the Bible reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, it's good to see everybody here tonight. If you're a child of the King and royalty, blood is in your veins. You're glad to be here tonight. Say amen. All right, good to see you tonight. I appreciate the opportunity to be back. And it's good to see a great crowd on Monday night. That's awesome. And uh, I hope and pray you came here uh, with receptive hearts. And uh, I promise you I will not be boring and I won't be long, okay? I promise I'll try to preach as fast as you listen, okay? So let's go to the uh, throne of grace, ask his blessing on the preaching uh, tonight very quickly. I just want one more chance that I can use to pray and ask God and let him know that I'm totally dependent upon him. So let's go to the throne of grace. Father, I can't, but you can. God, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Lord, I claim the precious blood of my Savior on this sermon tonight, and I pray that you'd help the people to open their hearts and listen on purpose, that they'll get something out of it and leave this place a little bit less of what they are by nature and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we'll love you. And praise you for what you do in our midst because we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Proverbs chapter number 25 and verse 28, please. Proverbs chapter number 25 and look at verse number 28. Proverbs chapter number 25 and verse number 28. Well, I argued with the Lord all day long what to preach and this is what he gave me. And he always wins anyway, so you might as well submit to him. And so... uh, I want you to look at the scripture tonight. Uh, The writer of the book of Proverbs, one of the wisest men on the face of the earth, Solomon, wrote these words to his son. He wrote these words. He says, a he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now, I want you to think about this with me tonight. I travel all over the United States and, of course, come over here to England. We've been uh, other, other places to preach, but By and large, as I travel, I love to look at billboards and uh, uh, bumper stickers. I love to read those. One of the weirdest ones I saw was in America. A couple years ago, we were traveling to, uh, like I told you, we go to West Virginia. I was traveling uh, up there just a few uh, weeks ago, and I saw a billboard, no joke, got into the outskirts of the city in which we were going, and there was a billboard that said this. This is a weird one. It said, if you're illiterate, call 1-800-555-1212. I went, wait a minute, a person who can't read is not going to be able to know what that sign says. I thought that was very weird, but I think my favorite bumper sticker that I saw over the years is one that says this, in case of the rapture, this car will not have a driver. Amen. I like that. And so I like that bumper sticker, but my message tonight was taken from a sign, a plaque that I saw in a guy's house I was eating dinner at one night. And it said this, it said, a little thing that makes a big difference is attitude. A little thing that makes a big difference is attitude. Now, you know what? I know as Christians, we ought to do one of two things. Now, you ought to do this as a Christian. Number one, you need to survey the world you live in. Survey the world, but you ought to study the word. All right? I surveyed the world and I looked and tried to find out what the world says about attitude. Do you know that USA Today took a poll and did a study about three years ago, Brother Peter, and came up with this statistic. 3,000 CEOs in America were surveyed. Of those 3,000 CEOs, every single one of them without fail made this statement. When we look for our employees, 
we base our employees working with us on one thing, not their academics, but on their attitude. Let me say that again. 3,000 CEOs were polled and said, we do not uh, choose a person on the basis of their academia. We choose it on the basis of their attitude. Now, you know what? I thought that's pretty amazing. But I said, that's the, what the world says about attitude. What's the Bible say about the attitude? Now, you know that not one time, Tony, the word attitude is not even used in our Bible. You say, preacher, how are you going to preach on something that ain't even in the Bible? It is in the Bible. Do you know the word spirit literally can be translated the disposition of the mind or attitude? So, folks, do you know what it says right here? It says, he that hath no rule over his own attitude is like a city that is broken down and without walls. I want to preach to you tonight about this subject, a little thing that makes a big difference. Number one, if you're going to have a good attitude and not look like you've been sucking on lemons all your life, amen, some of you look at it, you need to tell your face that you're saved because you don't look like it, all right? If you're going to have a good attitude, let me tell you the first thing you have to do. Your attitude is a choice. Your attitude is a choice. I want you to think about these words. Abraham Lincoln made this statement. He made this statement, Brother Tyler. He said, people are about as happy as they make up their mind to be. Winston Churchill, one of the great patriots that we know of, made this statement. Responsibility is the price of greatness. And ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you tonight, we've got a responsibility as a Christian, and that is to have a good attitude. Now, if you don't amen me, I'll amen myself. Now, don't make me cheerlead on myself. But I'm here to tell you, attitude is everything. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Ladies and gentlemen, your attitude's your choice. Think about what David. David had a responsibility in his life. You know what it was? Not to be the king of Israel. In Psalm chapter 9, verse 1, he made this statement. He said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will rejoice and be glad in thee. I will. Do you notice something that David's saying? I'm going to make a conscious decision to praise you, not just when things are going bad, but I'm going to praise you when things are going good. I'm not going to be a fair-weathered friend, Lord. I'm going to set my will to praise you. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to have an attitude, you've got to get your thinking in line with what God's thinking about. And you've got to, listen, you've got a choice whether you're going to have a lousy, sorry attitude or you're going to be, uh, listen, have the responsibility of a true Christian and that is to choose to set your will to praise Him. And all God's people said, you, listen, your attitude is your choice. It's your choice. I want you to give you a few verses. Write these down. Numbers chapter 5 verse 14 says, There's a spirit of jealousy. Hello? An attitude of jealousy. We see that a lot in the world today. Numbers chapter 14 verse 24 says, Caleb had another spirit with him and he followed me fully. Psalm chapter 77 verse 3 said, I complained and my spirit was troubled. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27 says, The spirit of a man is a candle of the Lord. In other words, your attitude will shine light on other people's lives about who loves them, and that is Jesus Christ. Folks, listen to me. Daniel, and three times in the book of Daniel, Chris, it says this, that Daniel was the leader and made over the captains and princes of all the land because he had an excellent spirit. His attitude was great. 
Now, folks, I'm here to tell you it is a choice you make. Do you know a man by the name of Caleb in the Bible? You ever remember about Joshua and Caleb? Two of the spies of the twelve that went into the promised land to spy it out. They came back with a report and they said, we can take this land. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. And God gives it to us. But guess what the other ten said? We can't go in that land and take it. It's the, There's giants in the land. We can't go. And they were crying and moaning and Calling the whamulants, amen. Wham, wham, wham. But the two, Joshua and Caleb, you know what Caleb said? When Caleb was 85 years of age, he remembered the promise that God gave him after, listen, after spending 20 years in the wilderness with a bunch of bickering, complaint, 40 years in the wilderness with a bunch of bickering, complaining, griping, backbiting people. But yet he came out of that and he didn't say, I'm not going to look at the people that's griping. I'm going to look at my Savior who said he would give me everything. And you know what he said at the end of his life? He said, you know what? I came out and I feel as good today as I did when I was 40. And he said, give me that mountain. It's mine. Because he had a good attitude. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now. You've got a choice to make in your life. You've got a choice whether you're going to have a good attitude or you're going to have a bad one. And Anybody in this room that knows that you spend enough time in a room with somebody that's got a bad attitude, you want to get out of there as quick as you can. I know what I'm talking about. I've been in a room with some people, and you know what the sad thing about it is? It's mostly church members. Gripe and complain about everything. Well, he didn't call on me to pray. I didn't get to sing last Sunday. I can't believe he didn't call on me. I want to go and do this. I want to go. You need to just zip it. You need to know who you serve. And not get, listen, it is God's business to set one up and put another down. And folks, we need to have a good attitude about serving Jesus Christ. That's the problem in the world today. You've got too many people that's got a sour attitude. And folks, I'm telling you, it's contagious. It's contagious. I want to start the verse. You, you finish it for me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, now, some of y'all's face didn't just match what you said. Now, let's do it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, that's better. Now, folks, here I'm here to tell you, you've got a choice to make in your life whether you're going to be a fair-weather friend or you're going to praise the Lord. Attitude is everything. Let me tell you something, folks. When you die, you are not going to be remembered by your attire in the casket or your accomplishment on earth. You're going to be remembered for your attitude. You will. Folks, I'm here to tell you, we have got to set our will and make a conscious decision, a choice in life to have a good attitude. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. I want you to look at our text again. Number one, it's not just, listen to me. It's not, listen, your focus determines your future. Your focus determines your future. It's how you look at things. David, the psalmist, said in Psalm 34, verse 8, he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, verse 10, he said this. He said, they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack for any good thing. Let me tell you something, folks. When you get a good focus of who you serve, you'll realize this statement. God is good all the time. Say it with me. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Amen? I'm here to tell you, you get your focus on the one that saved you, sealed you, and is going to separate you one day and take you to heaven is the one that can provide everything you need. I promise you. You got to get your focus on Him. Your focus determines your future. 
Psalm chapter 119 made this statement, Tyler. It says, Thou art good and doest good. Hallelujah. Folks, Psalm one, no, listen, Psalm 100 says this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. And I'm here to tell you that God is good all the time, whether you believe it or not. You're welcome. Your attitude is everything. It's a choice, though. It's a choice. You know, Joseph, I talked about last night, Joseph could have got in the corner and complained about his family, how dysfunctional it was, but he didn't do that. Do you know that Joseph was thrown into a pit? Do you talk about life in the pits? He had one. Joseph was thrown in a pit and left to die. But you know what? Joseph could have looked at his past and said, You know what? My family's so dysfunctional, Pastor. I had a daddy. My daddy Jacob was as crooked as a dog's hind leg. My mama was an idolater. She served idols. My brothers hated my guts. And I'm telling you, my family's dysfunctional. But he didn't say, Look at my family. He said, Look at my father. And he got his focus on the one that was altogether lovely and it determined his future. And God made him a prince. Folks, I'm here to tell you, your, fo your focus determines your future. Your attitude, number one, is your choice. It's your choice. Number two, I want you to look at this. It says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Number two, your choice is not, listen, your attitude is not just a choice, but your attitude has consequences. Write it down. Your attitude is just not a choice, but your attitude has consequences. Number one, I want you to think about this with me. What this says right here, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a what? City that is broken down and what? Without walls. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in those days, if we were to reel it all the way back and go into the ancient days, cities that were prominent had walls and structures around them. Masada, Jer Jer uh, Jericho, Babylon. Babylon was a tremendous prominent city that they say the wall was so wide you could run a chariot race six wide on the top of it. It had a mammoth wall around it. But listen, a walled city was given a wall for two reasons. Number one, for its defense. But number two, Brother Carl, for its dignity. It made a city dignified to have a wall. But guess what? In Nehemiah's day, when the walls of Jerusalem were burnt down, and they were like that for 20 years, by the way, he said, we need to get together as a people and build the walls back that we be no more a what? Reproach. Do you know what the word reproach means? It means a source of finger pointing. It means somebody that laughs at something. And do you know what the people were doing that day? They were laughing at the city of Jerusalem and saying, look at those people. Do you know what? If you've got a stinking sorry attitude, let me tell you something. Just like a city that didn't have walls and they were burnt down, you know what they used to do? They would walk by a city like that and they'd literally spit on it. They'd say it ain't even worth being a city anymore because of their sorry testimony. Let me tell you something. If you're in here and I'm talking specifically to you tonight, you've got a sorry attitude. and You might come to church and smile and have a hunky-dory, but inside when you get home, you've got a sorry attitude and everybody around you knows it. I'm going to tell you, it'll do one of two things to you. First of all, it'll do this. It'll cause you ridicule. You know what? If you've got a sorry attitude, let me ask you all a question. I know I'm going to get hit, hit right, right where you live. Have any of you went to a restaurant before and you ate dinner where you had one of the sorriest waitresses or waiters you've ever had in your life? And I'm telling you, they were real happy about what they was doing. You ever had one like that? We went into a place one time, I'll never forget this, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Pastor. It ain't there anymore. It was a country buffet. I'm telling you, they had a tape that was stretched 35 feet long, and you could get anything you wanted to. 
I'm talking country fried chicken, steak, pork. I'm, hold on a minute. You could get everything you wanted on that bar. But I can remember going in there and there was a lady. I'm telling you, Brother Steve, there was a lady that come and she'd serve us. I remember the first time we went. We went in there. She, she threw the menus at us like a Frisbee. I caught the thing like that. I said, okay. And she uh, said, uh, what y'all want to eat and what you want to drink? I'm in a hurry. I says, what the waitress said. We told her we wanted, you know, water and I wanted tea. And, 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 and she came back with it. She slid the glasses over to her, almost baptized me again. I mean, the thing almost went right in my lap. She threw the silverware on the table. And I'm telling you, this woman was mad at the world. You know, you hate to pay for tribulation. But here I am paying for dinner, and this woman's giving us the worst service I ever had in my life. She had a sorry attitude. And do you know what, Brother Steve? Every single time that we drive down I-40 now, and we go past that restaurant that used to be there, I will say, do you remember? And I don't even have to say one more word. Oh, yeah, I remember that woman. I ain't talking about the restaurant we ate at. I'm talking about the woman who gave a sorry service because of her stinking rotten attitude. Now, if it applies to you, let me tell you something. If you keep that mom, you keep that dad, you keep that teenager, you keep that sorry, rotten attitude at school, you're going to be ridiculed and ain't nobody going to want to be around you. Dad, you keep that. I'm going to tell you what. What you, listen, what you tolerate in moderation, your children will practice in excess. And you will produce bitter, rotten, angry, stinking, uh, listen, attitude-bound children. So number one, if you get a bad attitude, listen, there's consequences to it. Number one, y'all ain't liking this, are you? I can look at some of y'all looking like, man, I hope he gets done quick. Listen, your attitude's a choice. You can choose to serve God and to praise Him. But your attitude, if you, if, if you choose not to have a good one, can have consequences. Number one, it can be a source of ridicule. But number two, you know what else it'll do? It'll not only ridicule you, but it'll rob you. See, when the walls were broken down, that city was ultimately vulnerable to everybody. Anybody could come in there and take whatever they wanted to. They could loot. They could do whatever. And I'm here to tell you, if you have a rotten attitude, I'll tell you what it'll do to you. It'll rob you. You say rob me of what? It'll rob you of relationships. Then won't nobody want to be around you. I'm here to tell you, it'll cause division in your home. You and you listen, you and your precious wife or you and your husband will be so divided because you got one on one page and another one on the other. It'll rob you. Let me tell you about two totally opposite people. When I was in when I was in Winston-Salem, I had a friend, his name was Terry Newsom. Terry Newsom, a little black fella. And I love that guy, man. And I'm gonna tell you something. I didn't know anybody that loved Jesus more than he did at that time. I promise you. Not even my wife, not me. Anybody. That guy loved the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his heart. Never had a formal education. Dropped down in the 10th grade. He was about 22 years of age. Never been to Bible college, brother. But I'm going to tell you something. He had a story to tell, and he was going to get it out. And that was that Jesus saves. That the cross can make a difference in somebody's life. Let me tell you something, Steve. He used to go down and get his gasoline at a gas station. I, I, I probably should say petrol station there. Anyway up at a petrol station and he he would go down there and he would pump his his fuel and when he got done pumping his fuel he would go in to pay for it and i'm telling you he'd go in and he had a burden for that lady behind the counter and that lady behind the counter would ask him you know every day how you doing i mean she'd just be so angry and so bitter and he'd say man i'm wonderful praise god i'm doing great he'd throw his money on the counter and he'd leave he did that for about a month 
And he came in there one day, and this lady had had all she could take. She looked at Terry, and she said, let me ask you a question. You come in here every single day almost, and you say, you're doing wonderful. I want to ask you something. Do you ever have a bad day? Ever? He said, well, of course I do. She said, well, why don't it show? I am hating life. And he said, well, I'm glad you asked me. He took a gospel track out of his pocket. He slid it across the counter. And he said, I want you to read this. He said, I don't have time to talk to you right now, man, but I'd love to next week. He went back next week, long and short of it. He led that lady to Christ. He led her to Calvary right in the back room. Now, let me tell you what happened to that lady. She started coming to our church in Winston-Salem. That lady started having a burden for her husband. Guess what? She went home about a month after she got saved, and she said, I want to introduce you to somebody, honey, that loves you so much he died for you. And he, she led her husband to Christ. I'm going to tell you something. Terry Newsom had a great attitude. He loved the Lord. And you know what? He didn't have a great theological uh, degree. He didn't have any, any of those credentials. But let me tell you what he did have. He had a smile on his face, and he had a little joy in his heart, and he wanted to share it with somebody else. Hello. And guess what? That couple today I found out in Peru as missionaries. You know why they're there? It's because Terry Newsom had rule over his own attitude. What about you? Let me tell you something about your attitude. It'll, it'll give you consequences. There'll be consequences to it. It'll be ridicule and it'll be, listen, it'll rob you of all your relationships, all your joy if you're not careful. But the third thing I want to talk about is a little bit more positive. Your attitude is what? A choice. Your attitude has what? Consequences. But your attitude is, let me give you a third one. Your attitude is contagious. <laughs> Have you ever gotten an elevator? I got an elevator just a, about a year ago. I was at the hospital. And I got in the elevator. And you know how you get in the elevator and everybody just start, they don't nobody talk. And well, the elevator, I got in the elevator, doors closed. And I'm telling you, we got to the second floor. It opened up again. About 10 more people got in. I mean, we're like this. So we, it went up two more floors to the fifth floor, opened the door. There was three people. So I said, y'all come on in. We'll make room. And I got out. And I let the three people in. I got in. And I'm, I'm talking, we're doing like this. And I got in and the door closed. And when it did, you could have heard a pin drop. There's 30 people in this elevator. And I said, well, now that I got you all here, I guess you're wondering why I called this meeting. And they, they all just fell out. Do you know what will happen when you get contagious with your attitude? It'll be infectious. It'll absolutely spread like wildfire. But by the way, if you got a negative one, it'll do the same thing. It'll do the same thing. Your attitude's contagious. Met a guy, a pastor in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I was preaching about six years ago. Did not know this, but he was a lay preacher. He was about 68 years of age, and he'd already had Peter one stroke. He was known as Mr. Hallelujah. Man, you got in a service, and I'm telling you, if you said something about Jesus, Hallelujah, amen. Now, you know what? That may not be your personality, and that's okay. If you want to sit on your hands for Jesus, you have a right to. But I'm here to tell you, if God saved you from some addiction that you've got, and you want to raise your hand and say, it's okay, because a lot of us in here have been brought up in church where we're taught to sit down, shut up, and behave. And you know what? It's okay to say amen. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. It's all right. Hey, we'll go, to, we'll go down here and watch Birmingham City play Aston Villa. 
Son, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a guy up in the back. He'll come here the next day, horse. He won't even be able to talk because he'll be shouting and screaming and hollering and yelling for Villa. But you know what? We get in church, we go. Don't, don't say that. Shh. What's wrong with us? We're going to spend forever with Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that you will never have to stand before God and give an account of your sins ever? Now, that ought to make us a little happy. It ought to at least put a smile on your face. Some of y'all, if y'all don't start looking at me, I'm going to come back there and look at you like you're looking at me. Now, stop it. Listen, your attitude is contagious. This guy in Lawrenceville, Georgia, I'm telling you, Peter, he was a blessing. Mr. Hallelujah. He used to do this as a lay preacher. He'd take his shoes off, his socks off in a service and go, look at them feet. And everybody would go and he'd say, what y'all laughing at? My feet are beautiful. And they go, well, no, I don't think so. He said, you know what? My feet are beautiful. He said, I'm a preacher. And it said, beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. Amen. <laughs> That's what it says in the scripture. I had a kid at camp. I had a, what? I had a kid at camp last year who used to get up every morning. And he would throw, as soon as, the, soon as we would give wake up call, this kid would get up. Pastor, he'd throw the covers off himself. He'd come over there to me. He'd shake me and say, Preacher Brian, it's showtime. It's 7 in the morning. I'd say, shut him, go to bed. <laughs> Had a good attitude. It's contagious. See what I'm saying? It's contagious. Your attitude will be contagious. This guy found out about three years ago he had four more strokes since I saw him the last time. Found out he went to heaven. Last pastor, preacher fellowship, I was at Augusta, Georgia. I found out he was in heaven. But you know what my friend said, Brother Carl? He said every day, he had Lou Gehrig's disease too. He said every day that he would go to the hospital and visit him as he debilitated and he began to deteriorate in his health, he'd look at him and my friend said that this guy, this preacher, would look at him and say, you know what? He said, I may not be able to talk much longer. He said, so if you come in here, my hands are up, Panos, like this. He said, you just say hallelujah for me. You know what I said? That guy lasted four more years, four years longer than they ever gave him. You want to know why I think he did? It's because God said, I'd, I'd much rather have somebody left here like that to raise my name. He said, when my, he said, when I can't raise my hands, this is what he said, Brian. He said, when I can't raise my hands and I lose my, my strength, he said, if I blink my eyelids up like that, he said, I'm saying hallelujah, you say it for me. He said, the last trip I went to the hospital, he was on a ventilator. He said, Peter, he went like this. As the guy came in the door, he went. And the guy said, hallelujah. Folks, that's about attitude. Your attitude is a choice. Your attitude has consequences if it's rotten and stinking. Now, I know that ain't good English, but I'm going to tell you, it applies to most of us in here sometimes. Our attitude stinks. We can have a choice in the matter. It, listen, if we take the choice to praise Him, the consequences won't happen. But if you keep a negative attitude, it'll cause you ridicule and it'll rob you of your joy. But I'm going to tell you this, it's contagious. The attitude's contagious. You know what I heard a preacher say one time? He said this, Tyler. He said, you ain't what you think you are, but you are what you think. Think about it. You ain't as big as you think you are, but you are what you think. And the devil knows the area in which you're the weakest and most vulnerable, and it is this. 
So begin to think about what you are and whose you are in Jesus Christ. Your attitude's a choice. Your attitude has consequences. Your attitude is, a, is contagious. I'm here to tell you. But fourthly, and I'm going to be done. You may be under the sign of my voice tonight. And you say, preacher, everything you've preached. You know what? Nobody might know this, but I'm just like what you're preaching. My attitude stinks. Well, you know the good news about it? The good news is, is your attitude can be conquered. Your attitude can be conquered. You want to know how? There's three ways that you can conquer your attitude and make it good again. Number one is this. Confess your fault. Do you know what God calls a bad attitude, a man that can't rule his own spirit? You know what he calls it? S-I-N. Sin. And do you know what? Here's what Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says, brother. He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. If you've got a bad attitude, you say, Lord, I've had a rotten attitude and I want to get rid of it. You know what God says? It's about time. Thank you. It's forgiven. It's just that easy. You're either going to choose to look at the vase on the table with the rose in it or the dust on the table. You've got to make a conscious decision to have a good attitude. And let me tell you something. If you don't have one, it can be conquered tonight. All you've got to do is confess your fault. Confess it. Just ask God to deliver you from it. You confess it. He'll forgive it. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, you say, I don't believe that a bad attitude is sin. Well, you know what it says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1? It says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Let me tell you what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, let no what? Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of what? Edifying, building up. You don't build somebody up by having a rotten attitude and everybody's going, shoo-wee. You don't let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. That's who the people around you. Listen, if you want to get a good attitude back and you want to conquer that attitude, number one, confess your fault. But number two, I want you to think about this. Not only confess your fault, but number two, change your focus. Change your focus. You ain't what you think you are, but you are what you think. Change your focus. Start to get your eyes on the prize. We talked about it the other night. Compete for the prize. Don't stop running the race. Have a good attitude. Your focus determines your future. But the third way that you can defeat that rotten attitude and conquer it is, number one, you confess your fault. Number two, you change your focus. But, Carl, here's the one I like. Number three, if you'll celebrate your future, it'll change your attitude. Tell you a little story and I'm done. Y'all glad? Don't you say amen. Most of you know who Thomas Edison is. Thomas Edison was the inventor of the incandescent light bulb. You better thank God. <laughs> You'd be sitting in darkness today if he didn't. But let me tell you something about Thomas Edison a lot of people don't know. After 10,000 attempts, not one success at it. A news reporter came to him and said these words. How does it feel to fail 10,000 times? He looked at that news reporter and said, sit down, I'm going to revolutionize your life. I'm going to tell you something you need to hear. He said, I didn't fail 10,000 times. He said, I found 10,000 ways for it not to work. And he said, when I get one that does, I'll call you and let you know. Guess what? 
4,000 attempts later, voila, the incandescent light bulb. Now, let me ask you as a, an educated crowd in here tonight, let me ask you a question. Does everybody in here know who Thomas Edison is? Raise your hand. I wonder who could tell me the name of that news reporter that did that interview. You want me to tell you the difference? Attitude. Attitude. See, I'm here to tell you that positive attitude will produce powerful gratitude. Uh, listen, a positive attitude will produce powerful gratitude. You say, what do you mean, preacher? When you think about your past and everything that you did and you start to celebrate where you're going to go and you celebrate your future home in heaven as a child of God, let me tell you something. Paul put it well. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or tribulation or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written? We are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep before the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor powers, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things in heaven, nor things in the earth, neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You start celebrating your future. You know what? It'll put that sorry, rotten attitude in the grave. and You'll be able to have that flag of joy flying over your heart again. Songwriter put it this way. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me. Thy great salvation, so rich and free. A little thing that makes a big difference, and it's called attitude. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you a question tonight. Nobody looking around, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you a question. Nobody looking around, please. Maybe you can't have a good attitude and you're rotten in your spirit because you just haven't settled the fact of where you're going to spend eternity. You know what? The most important question you'll ever answer in your life is not where I'm going to go to uni, not what degree I'm going to graduate with, not what lady or man I'm going to marry, how many children I'm going to have, or what occupation I will endeavor to pursue. The greatest question in your life today is where will I spend forever? You want to know what will change your attitude and revolutionize your thinking? Is if you'll get off the fence and you'll let Jesus Christ have His way with you. I wonder tonight if you'll say, Preacher, I'm saved by the grace of God. There's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. I'm born again on my way to heaven. I can raise my hand right now. There's no doubt in my mind I'd go to heaven if I died tonight. You could raise your hand right now. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Are you in this room and you'd say, Preacher, you know what? I am concerned I'm really concerned about my spiritual condition. I'm not sure if I, I were to take my last breath tonight, I'd go to heaven, but man, I want to. Oh, I want to go, but I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure. And I just wonder if you just, 
just lift your hand up. Let me pray for you. Is there anybody here like that? Just say, preacher, pray for me. God bless you. Anybody else? Preacher, just pray for me. I'm not sure, but man, I want to be. I want to go, but I'm just not sure I am. And you'd say, pray for me. Anybody else? Before I make my prayer, anybody? Hey, I wonder tonight if you'd do this. If you'd be honest before God and just confess it as sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry. But you'd say, you know what, preacher, pray for me. My attitude hadn't been what it ought to be. And I want you to pray for me. God spoke to my heart and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that? Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, in Jesus' name, you know the hands that represent the heart. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to folk. God, help us. Lord, if we're going to have a direct impact in the lives of others, our attitude's got to be right. He that don't even have rule over his own attitude is like a city that's broken down and without walls. God, we're going to be ridiculed if we have a bad attitude. We're going to be robbed of our joy. But I'll tell you another thing that will happen. We'll be ruined because our, de- our enemy, the devil, will get in. Lord, tonight I pray that you'd help our attitudes to be in check. Help us to make sure it's a conscious choice that we make. Help us to understand that we have consequences when we have a bad attitude. Number three, help us to realize that our attitude is contagious. Man, it's infectious. But lastly, and not not less important, is that our attitude, attitude can be conquered if it's bad. Lord, I pray that you'd help the people tonight. Blessing this invitation, I pray. We'll love and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.